Thank you so much for joining me. This is Gary Zacharias. We're taking a look at uh, different apologetics books. This podcast is called The Apologist Bookshelf. The book I wanted to pull off the shelf and take a look at today, I've done in a previous podcast. It's called Answering Jehovah's Witnesses Subject by Subject. And uh, what I like about this, it's a little different. Um, you look up, if, if you have a Jehovah's Witness friend who mentions a particular concept or a particular person or whatever, you can turn to it immediately because it's laid out alphabetically by things like uh, false prophets, faithful and discreet slave, deity, death, cult charges, what's the cross. I'm going backwards, you can tell. But it's all laid out chronologically. Christmas, right? they have a second on Christmas. Child custody, censorship, being born again. What does that mean? What about blood transfusions? So I like the approach to this. You can go immediately zero in on one aspect of the Jehovah's Witness uh, faith, uh, the subject that they bring up to you that, or that you want to bring up with them. So I thought maybe I'd just kind of go in the middle of the book here because this is crucial. When you're talking to somebody who's got a different belief, we can certainly ask the question, well, why should I believe you? Why should I believe your perspective? And, and not saying it in a mean way or a snotty way, but just saying, what's your authority? I've been doing that with somebody I've been talking to for some time. And uh, I want to know why he believes what he believes. Where is he getting his information? And I feel very confident. I feel like I'm getting mine from the Bible. Well, so here we are in the middle of the book here. It's called God's Organization. That's this little uh, chapter. And uh, it says the belief that the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society is God's organization on earth. That's the most important doctrine of the Jehovah's Witnesses. The Watchtower. That's how you get saved. Um, followers will accept other doctrines of the Jehovah's Witnesses not because of the biblical arguments. They won't study their Bible and say, okay, that makes sense, or no, that doesn't make sense, but they believe it and they will trust it because the organization says it's true. And of course, the, one of the, the big problems with Jehovah's Witness is that their beliefs are subject to change. They, they feel they get new truths from God. So what's the background of Jehovah's Witnesses? Very quickly, I won't spend much time on it. But here's what they say in their own magazine. In the early 1870s, a group of earnest, open-minded Bible students started to meet for an unbiased study of God's Word. Now, it sounds like they just liked the Bible and they wanted to see what God really had for them. But it says that gives you no indication that this group, these Jehovah's Witnesses, started as a splinter group that was breaking away from another existing group, another existing church. It actually began as a break-off from some Adventists. It says the uh, Watchtower literature today obscures that fact uh, because Jehovah's Witnesses are strongly warned against following any breakaway group themselves, even though their own organization started as a breakaway group. The report now, uh, recently, I guess, is that they have more than 12 million people attending meetings all over the place. Did you know Jehovah's Witnesses, are, at least according to this book, are the second largest religion in Poland, Italy, Spain, and Portugal. Wow, something like 75,000 local congregations. And uh, now that's impressive, no doubt about it. But they, the author here, by the way, I didn't mention his name, it's David Reed, he's the author of the book. He says the people that are devoted to the Jehovah's Witness organization are really devoted to it. It's close to idolatry. In fact, in 1979, uh, they're 
organization put out a booklet that said, Put Faith in a Victorious Organization. And they present their organization as an object of faith for the followers. They say, Come to Jehovah's Organization for Salvation. That's a direct quote from a November 1981 Watchtower uh, booklet. Uh, you've got to have complete obedience to the organization. It's got to be unquestioning. In fact, here's one statement that's kind of eye-opening, I think, from the Watchtower again. Avoid independent thinking, questioning the counsel that is provided by God's visible organization. Do you hear that? Avoid independent thinking. In other words, if we say it, you snap too. They're told their lives depend on it. Here's another quote from the Watchtower. Jehovah is using only one organization today to accomplish his will, to receive everlasting life in the earthly paradise. We must identify that organization and serve God as part of it. So basically, what are they doing? They're going to Jehovah's Witnesses, to that organization for salvation. That's their Savior. It's the organization, not Jesus. That's their Lord. You talk about idolatry. I can see what he's talking about here. He said, if you look back at the early church, he said, take a look. Jesus didn't set up his apostles as a visible organization, so in the future, disciples could put their faith in them. Here's what Jesus said. He said, future disciples are going to people be people, this is John 17, 20, people who put faith in me through their words. So the apostles taught new disciples, don't, don't put your faith in us, put your faith in Jesus Christ. So I think that's powerful. So the Bible doesn't say to put your faith in a man-made organization. It says, and this is 1 John 5, 13, put your faith in the name of the Son of God. And uh, as he ends this little section, he says, to prove that the Watchtower Society is not, not God's organization, look at its beginnings. Look at its doctrinal flip-flops. Look at its failed prophecies. And all of these are covered in the booklet here. If you look up Adventist Origins in the book, it tells you what, how it began. If you look up New Light, you'll see doctrinal flip-flops, the things they used to believe in that they don't now, and vice versa. Look at the failed prophecies. It's got a whole section called False Prophecies, and I think I covered that in a previous podcast. Okay, so that's, I'm in the letter G, so that's God's organization. Here's another letter G subject I think is fascinating. It's called Gospel. So this is if you ask a Jehovah's Witness why they're knocking at your door, here's the Bible verse they'll go to, Matthew 24, 14. And this good news of the kingdom will be preached in all the inhabited earth for a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And they say to you, we've come to your door to share the gospel with you, the good news of God's kingdom. Well, what is the good news of the kingdom? It's different than the gospel that was preached by the apostles and by Christian missionaries for about 1,900 years. So what do they believe? Well, here it is. They believe Jesus returned invisibly in 1914. Now, I always thought that's kind of convenient. You know, if he returned invisibly, then you can't dispute it. How could you argue? Anyway, so they say Jesus returned invisibly in 1914 and established God's kingdom in heaven. And what's his agency on earth? Are you surprised? It's the Watchtower Society. So that's the good news that they preach, that Christ has already returned invisibly. And they'll even acknowledge, he says they acknowledge that this good news is not the same as the gospel, the good news preached by Christians, but they don't see anything wrong with that. They think it's great that they have different good news. And this is a quote from the Watchtower 
their uh, journal. The kingdom witnessing of Jehovah's Witnesses since 1914 has been something far different from what Christendom's missionaries have published both before and since 1914. Different? How so? What Jehovah's Witnesses have preached worldwide since 1918 is something unique. The preaching of this good news of the Messianic kingdom as having been established in the heavens in 1914. Well, here's the problem for them. The Bible plainly warns against the preaching of a different gospel. Let me read, uh, he quotes Galatians here, and I think it's important. We need to think about this. Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9. Here's what Paul had to say. However, even if we or an angel out of heaven were to declare to you as good news something beyond what we declared to you as good news, let him be accursed. As we have said above, I now say again, whoever it is that's declaring to you as good news something beyond what you accepted, let him be accursed. So here's a pretty simple question. Reed says, ask the Jehovah's Witness, did the Apostle Paul teach that the disciples in Galatia I'm sorry, did the Apostle Paul teach the disciples in Galatia that Christ would return in 1914 and set up a visible organization and have a headquarters in Brooklyn, New York? Well, (laughs) silence, no. And if not, then the Watchtower's good news is something beyond what the Galatians accepted. So what does that mean? That places Jehovah's Witnesses under God's curse. That's a different gospel. All right, so there's the second G that I wanted to cover. Here's the third one. So the first one is, are the Jehovah's Witnesses really God's organization? Secondly, what about the gospel that they preach? It's a different gospel. Here's the third G. It's their governing body. It's very secretive. They said there are about 12 people. Kind of depends, I guess, depends on uh, deaths and new appointments, and they govern out of Brooklyn, New York. And it says they try to liken those people that are in the governing body to Christ's 12 apostles. It says, actually, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses view the governing body members as having apostolic authority and having prestige. And so they give you a little history here, and I won't uh, bother with that necessarily, but they said it's at the secret meetings of the governing body that they formulate their doctrine, and they actually vote on new new truths that replace old light. See, that's that section again on new light. They keep thinking that God replaces some of his old uh, ideas with new ideas. So what does that do? I mean, that really bothers me because we're talking about now a God who changes and not just a God who adds new things. It's a God who contradicts what he had previously established as what he wanted for people. So anyway, it's at these secret meetings of the governing body where they formulate the new doctrine that replaces the old doctrine. And it's very secretive. These top-level goings-on behind closed doors were not supposed to be heard from or heard of from anybody. But in 1983, there's a former governing body member, Raymond Franz, F-R-A-N-Z, and he put out his book. It was called Crisis of Conscience. And Jehovah's Witnesses were told, if you read that book, you'll be disfellowshipped. And that means we'll cut you off. They call that apostate literature. But they said people who do examine its evidence often quit the Jehovah's Witnesses voluntarily because it's so powerful. So he suggests, I say he, that's Reed, suggests Crisis of Conscience is usually, he claims, the most effective book to give to a Jehovah's Witness who's beginning to question his or her beliefs. That's really powerful. I think that's good. Okay, well, I'll leave it at that point. But uh, again, I hope you can see 
This book is clear. It doesn't go into a huge amount of detail and depth that would uh, wear us out, but he goes through so many things. Vaccinations, what do they believe about that? Spiritism, taxes, justification, marriage, heaven, this this business of disfellowshipping. That's just really cruel to me, but anyway. So they go through topic by topic. It's uh, alphabetical, and you learn what the Jehovah's Witnesses teach. And uh, David Reed also had a previous book, Jehovah's Witnesses Answered Verse by Verse. So I think that's interesting, too. So who's this Joseph Reed? He's the president of Gospel Truth Ministries. He also wrote Index of Watchtower Errors. He wrote another book about Jehovah's Witness literature, a critical guide to Watchtower publications. So he's got their literature. He doesn't make this stuff up. He says, this is what they've said, and here's the date that the Watchtower information came out. So I I strongly recommend the book. It is a little bit older, but I I wouldn't think that would make a huge difference. 1996. So it's been around a while, but the basic teachings here are just really clear. He does a great job. Okay, well, thanks for joining me, and we'll do another podcast, I hope, soon.